Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And today we have on our resident, uh, continuous co 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 host guest, Ian Chaney from Stereo Gum. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back. We always like having you on and um, getting your insight into various topics. And today I wanted to dive into one sort of related to how you um, write and base your interviews around. Uh, A lot of times you base them around kind of unexpected premise and you like to do interviews that artists haven't done before. Um, So you kind of use uh, different things as jumping off points that aren't necessarily expected. So before I go into like where I wanted to take that, I kind of wanted to ask you what are the most fun, unexpected premises that you've had to start from in the past? Oh, geez. I think the last big one I did was I talked to a bunch of bands about their football fandom and trying to figure out how that intersects with just being in a band. Like if you are... As an example, people in Cannibal Corpse, there's a Philadelphia Eagles contingent and there's a Buffalo Bills contingent. And uh, Corpse Grinder is also a Denver Broncos fan. Like, how does that fit together? How do, you, how do you function in a band where there's all kinds of different fandoms there? So I really like doing that one because it gave people a chance to talk about something that was going to be more than the music. And when, you, when you're stuck doing press all day and talking about the albums, you kind of get stuck saying the same thing over and over again. So it's kind of like a breath of, breath of fresh air to be able to uh, kind of expound upon these, uh, you know, different topics, like such as like, you know, no one's asked me about a football fan before. I love to talk to you about that. And so on and so forth. So it's like a new way to kind of like mine a good interview. I think it that way, uh, something that's coming up and I will, I will burn it for this podcast. This is an exclusive and I absolutely recommend that some band take me up on this. Are you guys familiar with the game lethal company? No. Okay. There, there is a game called Lethal Company where you work in partnership to collect trash on a planet and bring it back and earn money that way. It's a collaborative game. And I think it would be hilarious to get bands together and play Lethal Company with them while you interview them. That sounds like a really fun idea. I mean, I, I mean, might- and if you're doing something together while you're talking, it's a lot like it's easier to get an organic conversation going, right? 100%. Folks, my email is open. If anyone wants to play Lethal Company with us, let's do it. Well, there you go. go I, I'm actually reading about it right now, just there. in case I want to pitch you on this, Ian. So just- <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll find the right band for that, Curtis. Maybe. I don't know. This, this, is, this is an interesting looking game, that's for sure. So kind of on that, on that same note of a breath of fresh air, um, something that's kind of talked about a lot, or somewhat at least, in the DIY music promotion space is the idea that bands should be sharing personal stuff on their social media, whether that is their favorite movies or other bands that they like or they went and went to a concert together or they had this other unrelated activity that they did posting about it, getting people to talk and build community about around their music. Um, and I think 
sometimes the plot can get a little lost. What are your thoughts on the kinds of things that bands could share on their social media and not lose the plot or how, how not to lose the plot? It's interesting. I was uh, listening to a Twitch streamer talk about something similar the other day. Uh, his name is a little Aggie. He's a soul streamer. And he was saying that when you're streaming, you need to pick like one or two things to do. And you can't be a variety streamer or you're just never going to grow big. So I think if as a band, if you pick one or two things outside of your music to talk about and then kind of like build community around that, then I think that'd be more successful than just kind of like blowing the doors open and just saying like every little thing, like, hey, we like this, we like this, we like this, we like this. And that way you're kind of building more of a community around like a few discrete things instead of just like going whole hog, just, you know, airing everything about yourself, which I think would be uh, tough to have people, uh, you know, align their own interests with that. Like, what do, you, what do you guys think though? Like when you're, when you're getting something ready for PR and you want to do something a little out of the box, like, are you, are you looking, what are you looking for basically? Well, I can tell you what I'm looking for. I, I want them to focus on the music mainly personally. Um, well, with the indie bands, at least the bigger bands are a different story, but, uh, the smaller bands, <clears throat> excuse me, the ones that nobody really knows about, in my own opinion, if you focus on the music, that's the important thing there. But if it's like a cannibal corpse or it's like a blood, uh, blood incantation or something like that, like people want to know a little bit more and they go, want to go into a little bit more in depth from what I can tell, uh, like decibel has that feature kill screen where they talk about video games. That's usually good for bands that are of a bigger size. Um, or mid mid range size, because I mean, there's only so much you can ask a band or talk about at first, other than their music, without it getting dull and interesting. Like I don't give a fuck what some indie band's favorite breakfast food is. I just don't, and I don't think most people do either. You know, so or their favorite book. Like I mean, it can build community, but for PR purposes, focus on the music. In my opinion, at first, when you're smaller, but like mid range bands or bands are a little bit well known. I think you can then go into the more personal stuff. That's my own opinion. I don't know what Aaliyah thinks, but. Yeah, I would say I'm pretty much on, on the same page with that. It's, it's kind of hard to deter. I mean, I, I really do kind of go along with that thought process of like, nobody cares about that until they care like about you. So the most important thing to, to, be leading with is always your music and the way that some bands will incorporate other fandoms is maybe they'll do um maybe they'll do a cover of something from a video game or an anime or a movie or something like that that's a great way to incorporate it i think and that way you can connect with those fans and um and build something meaningful. But yeah, like when it comes to like your favorite sports teams, that's kind of an exception, I think, because sports teams are something that's so universal. Um, and that's something people will love, love to connect on and share some camaraderie and or beef over. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I think it's, it's, I think it's a balance. I have one other thing I want to add to that, though, is I think sometimes jobs or something like that could also be interesting when they're new. Like Holly, for example, 
uh, is studying uh, two different subjects. One of them is gender studies. And she's put that into her promo because, I mean, she's learning about it. And I know lots of people have asked her about it as a result of that. Uh, Sophia's studying law. Lots of people have asked her about that as well. It ties in beautifully with both their music. So I think if it, there's an interesting like school thing or a job, it can work too. But I don't know. It's my opinion. On that point, Curtis, I have this theory that a lot of people don't know what the most interesting thing is about them. They don't. That's very true, I think. They don't. How do you, how do both of you tease that out when you're trying to do PR for a band? You almost can't. You fucking can't. You just got to kind of got to figure it out. <laughs> you, you can't. You, you just can't do it. Like, I mean, if I was to tell, like, like, Aaliyah, okay, so let me ask, let me ask you this question. Like, if some, if someone said to you, what was, what's the most interesting thing about one of your band members? How would you, how would you figure that out? Like, I mean, you know, all of them, so you can kind of, but you know what I'm saying? Like, wh what would you kind of go as your criteria for that? I think it would have to be something that is a combination of having a level of nicheness to it, a level of specificity sure. to it, and then also an element of universality to it. Something sure. that other people will connect with and relate to, but isn't so general and generic that you could say it about anybody, you know? Do you think they would know themselves or do you think, or do you think you'd have to kind of do what Ian says, tease it out of them? I don't think people, I think Ian's correct. I think most people don't know what the most interesting thing about themselves is. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people would benefit from probably asking close friends or family about that. Like that. And okay. the most interesting thing about yourself may not be something that you want to speak about publicly. That's very so good. So in that case, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to use that to publicize your music if you don't want to share it publicly. Yeah, I think one of the other challenges too is just finding like a landing space for to be able to like disseminate the 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 alternative things that you're doing besides just your music too. Because like I know there's there's a lot of publications that aren't as uh friendly to that kind of stuff as i am <laughs> perhaps <laughs> when it comes to uh writing weird profiles about things like uh just off the top i had for like things i'm looking for in the future it's like if you're a if you're a band that's interested in running i i want to talk to you I, I would love to find out what is the best music to run to we can get some good science about that you know if you go on twitter there's some I've seen people that are in bands speak about this. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. There's a little running community in metal that gets it, that not many people talk about, but there's yeah. definitely there's definitely marathon metal out there. I am sure. a runner, but I'm not a marathon runner. Yeah, but you know the loneliness of the long distance runner. It's out there. I'm sure. I'm sure there's more out there. So I, I would love to talk to people with, about that. I one thing I got uh, on the back burner is if you've ever had an interesting experience playing a show and then weird music comes on over the PA between your sets. I want to talk to you about that. So, you know, there's like, there's definitely like different angles to trying to uh, go and attack this stuff. And I think it's kind of like what we were just talking about. Like, I don't think this would be something that you would necessarily just put in like your PR to talk about because like, why would you? Cause it just seems so like 
uninteresting. But if there's somebody that's out there that's like receptive to that stuff and wants to talk about that stuff, I think it's like, I think it's worth kind of like looking out there to see where you can try to uh, position that material, wouldn't you say? If there's like a, a specialty blog or something that has like a like an affinity for coffee or something, you're big on coffee, like I would pitch to them, no problem, right? Metal and coffee, I think that would go over really well, actually. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so here's the problem that I have with all this. So um, a lot of times when we get pitched uh, by journalists to do something weird like this, the bands go, fuck you, not interested. I only want to talk about the music. So... This this does happen. Um, well, I'll, I don't really know if that's relevant to our conversation. True, 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 true. Okay, I'll, I'll, I won't bring it up. What I really wanted to dive into more was um, bands using this on their social media, um, more so than just like actual PR um, and formal stuff. A lot of times, bands will use this as kind of filler, quote unquote, content for their for their social media, especially because there's a lot of pressure from all of the hustle communities online. You should be posting such and such number of times a week. Well, what the heck are you going to post when you are writing music or recording music? You don't have anything new to promote. You're not playing shows. You're in a like if you're in a writing stage or something, or in between releases. So. I think that's when bands can fall into this um, sort of habit and maybe falling into the temptation of sharing things that aren't super uh, helpful or beneficial to be shared. So kind of going on on that, what are the, I mean, what do you think are the things that people connect on most outside of music? Do you think it'd be? Would you think it'd be conducive to think of mining that side of your personality, almost like you're building like a dating app? Interesting. And just uh, just approaching it that way, where it's like you're not like obviously you know you're not sharing the everything about you via the dating app. It's gonna be like the most like attractive things about you. It's gonna be the things that relate to people the most, right? So. If it's not music, then what we got, we already talked about sports, what movies you're into, right? Food. Food, TV shows. Food if you're a foodie, though. It's got to be like to a a high level of interest, right? True. Right, right, right. You know, like, I mean, looking at Instagram, it's hard to avoid everyone's like pets accounts now, right? Yep. I know like the... um, what is uh what what was the band that has the has that awesome dog that goes in the van with them? Is that Gorilla Toss? Uh, I think it's Gorilla Toss. Yeah. Somebody fact check me on that later. Curtis and I they- both have the same expression of we do not know, but <laughs> only dog band I know is Six Sense. What kind of what kind of doggo do they have? They got like a mascot. Oh no! Wait a minute. That's a bear. That's six cents. Never mind. Yeah, that's a bear, no, and mind. it's a mascot. It's not an actual Never mind. pet. Never mind. Yep. And get get yourself a dog mascot. There's there's dog mascot. There is somebody metal. with a dog mascot on. I'm gonna look it up later. I was thinking of six cents, but it's not. That's they got a bear. Joe Rogan's dog has a Instagram account. <laughs> Does he? What's its name? I gotta follow him though. <laughs> I don't remember. Ah. Just Google it. Google, Google Joe Rogan's dog. You'll find it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
I, I have some example, an example I want to bring up, and then maybe you can bring up some examples of bands who've done this well that you think have done this well. So I was thinking of Simone Simmons from Epica recently because she has a beauty lifestyle blog and she's also a photographer and she publicizes both of those things, but they're not ever published on her band page. They're just kind of other ways that people can connect with her and, and relate to her. And I think that she's done it in a really classy way and very in a way that she still maintains privacy um, about her private life. She's not really sharing anything that's <sighs> everything she shares is still very professional, I would say. So that to me is a great example um, and I wanted to just ask you guys if you can think of any good examples of that type of thing. Well, I can think of one right off the top of my head. Um, actually, no, I can't because they don't do it quite that way. So this is a very tough question. Well, actually. it doesn't have to be exactly that way. What, you, what were you thinking? Well, what I was thinking is like, for example, Lindsay will do the makeup and she'll do all sorts of different things, but that's just on her one account. She's not separating them out. Right. I, I don't yeah. think you have to separate them out. That's yeah, just yeah. how Simone does it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I thought that's what you were asking. That's why I was saying that. Um, but yeah, she comes right off the top of my head because she does all those different things. Plus, she posts the cats sometimes. Um, other, her going to show. Yeah, she does all sorts of a mishmash of various different things like that. I think she does a pretty good job of both personal and professional on her accounts personally. Curtis has also just discovered that Joe Rogan's dog has an encyclopedic knowledge about polka. So that's also. He has an really? out there. <laughs> I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, but like, uh, like uh, I think what the, the thing that we're touching on here is that if you are going to go this path, it has to be something that you're authentically passionate about, right? Otherwise, it's absolutely, just not going to. Absolutely. Otherwise, this is not going to work and people are going to like sniff it out a mile away. Like if you're not into trains, like I wouldn't recommend you going to corner like the train spotting market as a band or anything, because people are just gonna be like, what? What's going on here? But I think the, the thing that people want to, what fans want to interact with and engage with is like the, the, the certain humanizing factors that show that like you're more than just this cog in a band, right? That you're this person that has other interests outside of this stuff. And they don't necessarily even have to be into that stuff. I think people are just very into other people who are passionate about the stuff that they like to do. Like that's an attractive quality in a person. At least um, that's when I, that's what I tell myself when I list the metal bands I like on the dating app. So, you know, I, I, I have a, I have a thing I wanted to go over if this can kind of pertain to it. So like, I think the key point though is, authenticity though because there's also a lot of people like Ian was just saying was a lot of times it seems like it's fake when people do this that's that's part of the thing that I think kind of bothers me with the with the sharing of the personal stuff it seems very staged a lot of times like oh I'm so in love with so and so and you can tell like they fight all the fucking time or whatever or you know um, I'm really into this hobby or I love my kids and you know as a fact that's you know absent parent or whatever right so I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I mean, that's part of, I think that's part of the issue is when people are trying to be authentic, but they're being fake authentic. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like a real danger bands need to watch out for. Uh, authenticity is kind of like using the force. 
Yeah. Like there is no try. You yeah. do. Yeah. You have to truly be authentic. And yeah, that's like, something to strive. For. I mean, yeah, there is something to strive for, but like you'll see some ba- bands, you know, famous people taking pictures with their kids and you can tell they're not having a fucking good time. And it's like, Oh, I love my kids. And here we are at Disney world. And they're all like fucking grimacing together. And like, you know, you so, can, yeah. Anyways. I get what you're saying. I think what it comes down to is it's gotta be something you're truly deeply interested in. Um, genuine the genuine interest and having a high level of interest in it like when you brought up food we're not talking about just sharing your breakfast plate every day it's like if you're a foodie and you're really passionate about interesting food um then you can share that part of your personality like um ian i think you were gonna say something sorry i was gonna talk about Here's something that's slightly related. I, I kind of want to get uh, how both of you feel about this. How do you feel about bands turning their social media accounts into meme accounts and sharing memes on them? I, I don't mind, personally. Sorry, Leah, go ahead. Um, yeah, as I, I personally, I, I think it's healthy to interject a meme here and there um because it shows that you don't take yourself too seriously but whether or not it's beneficial to a band to become a meme account basically is arguable it just kind of depends um if people actually care about your music like we were kind of talking about to begin with you know, I've seen bands do it where nobody I've seen bands do it to a point where nobody really knows about their music or cares about their music. They just follow the account because it's a funny account. And I've seen it go the other way where uh, the fans really cared about the music and they loved the memes as well. And it helped to build community and uh, build a bond between the musician and their fans. So I've seen it go both ways, really. And I think it's kind of like the same with politics, the example, like bands will do the exact same thing with memes, except it'll be a political account. Nothing about the music, like, especially recently, in recent months, that's been happening certain times on both both sides. So, um, you know, it's like you kind of be you kind of got to have the mix there. I think like Aliyah said, you kind of got to have it where the music is still being focused on. But if you're just focusing on memes or politics, it doesn't really help push the music, which we assume that's what you want to be here for, right? So here's here's a $10,000 question. At what point do you pull the ripcord on this strategy and decide it's not working? I have opinions on this, but I want to hear Leah's thoughts first before I dive into mine. Well, like, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're asking with that question is like, is it after you've made 10 posts of that nature and nobody's responding, then you stop doing it like a specific number or I think it's whenever you notice it's not working. It's like if you notice it's either not connecting with people or it's connecting with the wrong people or it's breeding the wrong kind of community or comment sections on your page that you don't feel um, authentically represent who you are and the community that you want to build around your music, that's probably when you stop. I have to admit that's pretty much what I was thinking. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough out there doing the social media thing these days, right? I mean, with it is how everything's... Yeah, it is, and it... Yeah, I mean, that's... that's. I think that's uh, how we sum up life in 2024, right? Well, it is, it, and it isn't. Because here, I have, I, have an, I have an opinion, and this is probably going to be controversial. So one thing I noticed, and I'm going to toot Aaliyah's horn here, even though she doesn't want me to, and I'm going to just toot it. Sorry, Aaliyah. Bleeping it out. Bleeping it <laughs> One thing that bans bands i noticed that do really well on social media they seem to take an active interest in their fans even when they're posting and they'll ask questions or they'll turn it around and it's not just a big look at me shield the wings is very good at that so i am tuning your horn at that on that one you guys do talk about the songs and stuff you don't just go a big look at me you don't and i in my own opinion the bands that don't like you want to promote yourself, but you don't want it to just look like you're being arrogant and like, look at me, look at me, this, look at how great I am type of thing. You want to do that sometimes, but as a general rule, it seems to me that the bands that actually want to communicate with their fans, they have captions that say something like, you know, what do you think about this? Or um, I love this album, tell me about it or something like that while promoting their own work seem to do better than like, hi, here's a shot of me naked, half naked on the beach, you know, by my album type of thing, right? So... That's my own opinion. I just think if the bands that focus on the fans first versus themselves while still promoting themselves seem to do well. Curtis is still mad that I tried to plug the last podcast by me being half naked on the beach with some, you know. Oh, that's right. That's right. You had, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, some strategically placed sandcastles really, you know, kept that being safe for work. Um <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Good marketing plan. I like. Yeah, yeah. So, when you're building a sense of community, and you're thinking about, I'm trying to think about the right way to phrase this. When you're building a sense of community, is 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 it better to think of like your band almost as like a club, where it's like here's this thing that we are all have in common that we're together. It like it's an us proposition, not like a we the band proposition. Is that is that kind of a, would that be a good way to approach also getting the your extracurriculars out on social media as well it's like hey is anybody else in this club also down with this stuff i would love to talk to you about it yeah i mean i think from my perspective it is a lot like that you know i mean you want to connect with fans that that are gonna connect with your music right it's like a mutual cycle symbiotic relationship so um I love how when we bring you on to interview, you end up interviewing us, by the way. <laughs> Got all He's these great questions. He's a co-host. Yeah, right. Right, right. Co-co-co-host. Co-co-host. Um, but yeah, I think to me, that is beneficial. And a lot of times that happens around bands without the band participating in it. Um, especially like the bigger old time bands, like the fans will kind of connect over... Like, for example, Nightwish, they have a huge fantasy element to a lot of their older music and the fans will connect around that. Or the more recent stuff has a more uh, evolutionary scientific perspective. Some fans will connect around that. So I think that that happens organically. It's kind of like surfing. You kind of have to observe the climate and catch the wave. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was almost thinking about uh, these strategies as being at a party and you don't know me at the party and you're just trying to find commonality with like anybody that's out there. 
like obviously you're all in the same space because you're at the party and there's that but then you're just going around talking with people like you like cannibal corpse oh really you do like cannibal corpse okay cool let's talk let's get down with that i I do things a little bit differently but i'll let you finish what you're saying i'm done late on me well the way i always kind of look at it like i can't say i'm like an expert or anything at social media uh but the one thing i've always noticed is like if you if you go into social media with the intention of like having a conversation versus trying to be noticed you see it it seems to work best and that's not as a tactic or a strategy like if you look at if you look at social media as a tactic and a strategy versus like you're trying to actually make friends and actual actually build relationships it's different because like um, a music marketing guru can tell you all the right tricks, all the right strategies, all the right tactics, but the intention is wrong, right? So a lot of bands will put put their steps into practice and end up pissing people off because the intention is wrong because it's not focused on building actual relationships. It's focused on trying to get a stream or something for the band versus trying to like build a broader fan base and community, if that makes sense. Like, there's one individual in particular who I will not name, but most people probably know who I'm talking about because I've been associated with this person in the past, um, who speaks a lot of the right language on things. But the problem is the bands who try to implement will then do it in such a way that it's a money grab or they're trying to just get attention for themselves versus actually authentically trying to build community. Like, for example, um, a strategy by many gurus is to have a podcast like this and to invite people on so that way you can get streams. So like, Ian, how many times have I pitched you directly for anything since you've been a co-host here? Three times maybe, tops? Yeah, maybe if that, yeah. Yeah, like I'm not using this, I'm not using this for myself. I'm a PR guy. I could probably ask you for about a zillion favors right now for all those times that you've been on here and help to promote you, but I don't because my intention is not to do that. Put you know air I mean? quotes around. Put air quotes around promoting Ian. Well, you know what I mean. I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm just saying. Like if I was. If like if I was implementing the tactics. You know what I mean. I would be hitting Ian up for favors. Hey, Ian, I've had you on the podcast. You know, like. But that would be like a social media guru tactic. You know what I mean? Versus like authentically having people on, having discussions. Because the reason why we want to have you on here is because you do good conversations like this. You also are uh, have a lot of great ideas on things not to hit you up not to pitch you later you know what i mean it's like the intention is different like you can have all the right steps but the intention is off hopefully that made sense yeah it it does it actually reminds me back when i was doing stand-up the the idea was that you could have the best material possible but if you're not having a conversation with the audience it's never gonna land it's not it's just totally not. And that's the problem with a lot of the marketing guru people is they'll tell you the right steps, but your intention is off and they're always looking at it from the wrong viewpoint. And then the way that you actually can build a fan base, like ask Aaliyah, Aaliyah's, how many of you guys got for Spotify listeners, like 9,000, 10,000 a month or something stupid like that after two years almost? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a little over 8,000 right now. Yeah. Aaliyah doesn't use any fucking tactics. She just doesn't. Well, I mean, you obviously have a strategy for social media, but the intention isn't to go, you know what I mean? It happened organically is what I'm saying, right? So, but like, for example, I've seen other people, they'll go and they'll they'll listen to a whole bunch of podcasts by a social media person and they'll implement, they'll have all this plan and they'll put it out beautifully and stuff like that. And it 
they might have a sudden peak in numbers, but then it always dies off because they're not authentic. You know, they won't answer fan DMs, they won't respond to comments, you know, and if they do, it's just like, buy my shit, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but that's kind of like the viewpoint I have. No, it does. When I think of when I think of artists and labels that are very good at social media, it's just they're having the conversation with the people that follow them, and then everything else is like a byproduct of that, right? Like I'm thinking of like Chatpile, Fia Productions, Eve Six. It all kind of feels like a club that you're a part of, and anything that is you know outside the scope of that, and kind of the things that we we're talking about, these these extracurricular things that you're doing as part of your life, are all byproducts of the conversation of like you having with somebody else. Versus like, hey, you do this thing that's cool. Here's what I'm doing. This is out there. And then you're, you're kind of breaching that in, a, in an authentic way. It's obviously something that you like because you're just yeah. keeping the conversation going with fans. And I think kind of to, not to put a bow on this, but that's like the best way to do it. Like you just find mm-hmm. your niche via the conversation that you have with the people that like your stuff. Barry Ann's a great example. I just want to shout her out on that. That was a very good pick because she does the animals and she's also got like the anti-fascist stuff and she talks about black metal all day and she talks a lot about dogs and other animals, but mainly dogs. Tea sometimes I think too, if I'm not mistaken, but very good example. Yeah, very good example. Yeah, and I mean, those are all things that have passionate uh, cohorts, like followers. Like, I mean, you talk about tea, that's a whole nerddom right there. Like, it's very fascinating. E-metal. My, my, again, my inbox is open to you. Let's get something going. A metal tea party. You know, Holly's British, so um, I'm going to have her uh, contact you in the next couple of days since we have this recorded that you want to talk to someone about tea. Yeah, wh- what do we call that? Do I take my tea black metal? That's pretty good. I love it. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, the we're talking about so many kind of, it kind of goes a lot deeper than what I initially kind of posed, the question I initially posed, but it's it does go that deep where it's thinking about how you present yourself on social media. If it doesn't come from a place of depth and sincerity and authenticity it's a lot of times it can and and with if you don't have the right motives a lot of times it can just come off as very transparent and people know that you're just trying to use them so but that can be faked for a little while but people always find out at some point 100%. I mean, we're surrounded by brands, brand speak, uh, like constantly, it's almost like the lingua franca of the time. So just to be open and honest, but not in a way where you're just, you know, you're exposing stuff that could be detrimental to be getting docs and so on and so forth, not to take this into a darker realm, but just being like open and honest about your interests and just having a conversation like that's like, whenever I come across that in the socials, I'm just like, okay, cool. This is an actual human to his thoughts. I love this. I'm into this person. I can already relate, even if we don't relate on much regarding music and so on and so forth. One thing I think also you generally want to avoid is complaining about things, anything, complaining about life. Um, 
Well, I, I'm not referring to anything that anyone in present has done. I'm thinking about this abstractly, so I'm sorry if I if you feel if you feel like I'm calling out. I, I, I wrote a bitchy tweet the other day. That's why I thought I was being called out. Okay. Mm-mm. No, I'm not calling anybody out. I just think that um, there's so much negativity on social media that I don't I don't think it's it's a good place to air those things. Like airing the things that are causing you suffering and things like that. That's meant to be shared, probably in my opinion. My opinion, that's meant to be shared with people closest to you and not publicly aired. And it I know that's kind of a controversial position to take, according to some people, because some people, they think they should be able to get support from everybody on their friends list. Right. When they're going through something hard. But I think it's it's really something that should be. Especially from a band's perspective. Right. I'm not talking about your personal page, but like especially from a band perspective, complaining about things especially complaining about like lack of streams lack of sales things like that it doesn't make you look good and it's not going to help well i think one of the reasons why people do that is because sometimes it will get interaction but then the problem again it comes back down to uh you get that quick spike and then no one really wants to hear from you again because you just keep bitching and bitching and bitching and bitching so and is it the right kind of interaction right if it if it leads if it leads to more positivity, of course, but in this case, no, <laughs> it's not. Like nobody nobody wants to fucking listen to anybody fucking bitch for like day after day after day on their social media, unless you're a black metal band. I mean, if you're a black metal band and you want to bitch about fucking you know you want to kill someone or something like that or the blood of Satan or something like that, that might be a different story. I mean, Ian's probably knows a little bit better on that end than I do, but. What do you think, Ian? What do you think, Ian? Should black metal bands be able to bitch? Should death metal bands be able to bitch? I think death metal bands should be able to be negative. Yeah, okay. there, uh, there, who was, there was there was an artist that went uh, that did a TikTok that said she put out this great album and no one was listening to it. I'm like, what's the deal with that? I thought I made this great album. How come more people aren't into it? And it kind of became this weird uh, flashpoint within the community of just like, was well, she right? Did she just release a bad record? What's going on here? And I, I think she got some juice just putting that stuff out there. But obviously, you know, that can come back to haunt you <clears throat> in certain respects. And I don't know. Like, uh, it really just depends on... Also depends on, like, what kind of music you're making and, like, what kind of, like, your general outlook is on life and, like, the, the tenor of your social media as well. Because, like, I would find it weird if, you know, a very sunny power metal band suddenly started complaining about not being able to find parking in downtown or something like that that kind of like shatters the illusion right we're not like running with the elves into the rainbow land anymore it's like how dare you give me a jaywalking ticket <laughs> as i traipse upon you know between uh broad and main that or could whatever, actually so. be that could actually be hilarious if they framed it in a fantastical yeah. setting framing has got to be yeah framing's got to be the, the way to do it like 100 percent, yeah Actually, yeah, that probably, that probably would be if you if you just play it like you're an absolutely naive elves from the woods and like you're in the city and you just don't understand anything that's happening out there. Yeah, I'd be into that for sure. Well, that's a good example, though, of somebody doing exactly what I said not to do. And it worked out for them, it seems seemingly. But I guess I don't know. It depends on how how was it framed? Was it like complaining or was it asking a genuine question like what what happened? It was uh, Bethany Cosentino. 
who kind of, it wasn't like a screed. It was just kind of her just like being open and honest and vulnerable about like, Hey, I'm going solo after best coast. It didn't work out. What's the deal with this? I thought I made a great record and just, just talking about like the nature of the music industry at that point. But she got a lot of blowback from people that were just like, Beth, you made a bad record. That's why no one was buying it, which I'm sure that was, I'm sure that was not fun to hear on her side. But then other artists were like having her back and be like, yeah, I experienced the same exact thing. Like it sucks. Like where are we as an industry right now? But the thing is that I think I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but like you said, that some people told her she did have a bad record. She put out a bad record and sometimes you need to have honest. I'm not saying that her record was bad. I have no idea. I didn't listen to it. So, um, but sometimes you need to have honest feedback from people who care. Well, this, this is the key question from people who care. Cause sometimes you get, you'll just get the negativity that you suck just from randos. Right. So. Yeah. You can't listen to randos. They will always no. be negative online, but yeah. um, people who care about you and you yeah. have a relationship with that you can trust to be honest with you. This is, this is so off topic, but I'm, I'm very interested in this just because we're kind of airing into this, uh, this line of thought. How big should your feedback loop be regarding the quality of the material that you're putting out? My own personal opinion is you should have like two or three people tops outside of your band. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like a specific limit on it, but two or three people is probably a good number unless you really have a few more people like who you really trust to be honest with you. But you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. So because everybody's going to tell you something different, too, because like I know as a fact, I've seen that happen with artists like they'll send it to like 30 different people. And they're like one person's like, this is mixed too weird. This is this. And then someone else will say something completely different. Someone else will say another thing. You know, and it, it get confuses them. So I will say we're not talking about, well, I wasn't talking about getting feedback on your music during the writing stage or like necessarily getting them feedback on your stuff before you make an album, but like getting feedback when things didn't go like you expected. I guess, I don't know, it could be beneficial to get it earlier than you, like before you release an album, but um, That's what I was they're not about. writing your record for you right you're just asking them to give genuine feedback and you need to find people that are objective and not not going to give you subjective feedback like oh i don't like this because it's not my kind of music or it doesn't what i like it might be like well what i liked about your music before was this and it's not like that anymore so it needs to be people that can be objective as much as possible that you trust because again different people are going to have different opinions a good example would be Ian, you like the new obituary album? I know a, I have a personal friend that's a reviewer that hated it. Yeah. You liked it? You hated it. I think it was on sure. one. Sure. I mean, everybody's yeah. going to have like, there's always going to be like extremes of opinion and stuff like that. Yeah. So, exactly. but when it comes to something like, oh, I dropped an album and not, it's not making any sales then you have to ask yourself whether the problem was the music or the mar- or, or the marketing. Right. So, and sometimes it's both. Right. Yeah. I love when people give you the advice just to be yourself and then they're just like, but not this way. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair. I mean, which part of myself is okay to be right. Well, 
I've been thinking about this, this whole marketing thing. And I know we are a music marketing podcast and it's, it's, it's important how you market your music and how you post on social media and all of this stuff. It's important. And the one thing that kind of leads back into what Curtis was saying earlier, I was, I was actually just listening to Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And he had a preface that he wrote that said something very interesting to me. Um, he says, again and again, I therefore admonish my students both in Europe and in America, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as a byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. Happiness must happen, and the same holds for success. You have to let it happen by not caring about it. I like that. What do you think, Ian? <laughs> I concur. I mean, we've we, <clears throat> we've said this a bunch of times on the podcast, but the only thing they can control is like, when it comes to metal, the quality of your riffs. If you, if you love your riffs, then that's the only thing that you can do. That's that's the, that's the best you can do. If people like it, great. If people don't like it, oh well. That's the only thing that's under uh, <clears throat> your purview is just the quality of your riffs. And just, yeah, just uh, don't aim for success. Just do what you do to the, the fullest of your power. I remember there was... Uh, I remember Dustin Hoffman was talking on Inside the Actor's Studio, and he was getting advice during The Graduate. And the director on The Graduate, whose name escapes me right now, was saying, like, Dustin, like, whatever he's going to do right now is going to live forever. So just do the best that you think you can do. And, like, don't cut corners and just just do it. Because it's, it's always going to be out there. And due to the quirks of how recorded music is eternal. Like, I think that's the same thing. Like if you can make the best album that you can or the best song that you can like go and do it. Like that's should be your first and foremost thought in your brain. Not like, not like, is this going to be popular? Is this going to capture the spirit of the moment? So on and so forth. Just make the best thing that you can. And everything else is a byproduct of that. Love that. And on that note, I think we should wrap things up. Um, thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us again, and can't wait to have you back. Um, and everyone listening, thank you for listening. I know we do not always give you a step by steps, steps to getting a thousand more streams or whatever, but, uh, hopefully you can take our, our conversations and get something meaningful out of it. And until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.